All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back. Thirsty Thursday number six. Uh, tonight we're talking Millennial Madness, and we have some awesome guests here tonight. Thanks, Chief. Here we go. We're going to get started. Cheers, everyone. Mm. I'm Ben Waples, a uh, volunteer captain, city of, or the Salisbury Fire Department in Salisbury, Maryland. Uh, been here for about 13 years. Uh, and I've worked with uh, Trevor and Bobby McGee in Ocean City uh, when I was down there part-time uh, before Trevor decided he was going to peace out and leave us. Um, and then I left Bobby. I was a quitter. So um, so that's my story. Uh, let's kick it over to Trevor and see what he's got to say. All right. Good evening, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I uh, appreciate everybody being here on the panel tonight. Uh, I'm Trevor Speedman. I used to work with uh, Bobby and Ben back up in Ocean City, Maryland. And I've said this before, uh, there's a state law in Maryland that says when you retire from the fire department, you must move to Florida. So I complied. And um, I now have a job down here working in South Florida. Uh, I've had the privilege of actually working with everybody on this uh, panel tonight, either directly on the rig or through training and education. So you know, this is a group of people that I'm really excited to be able to lend their voice to the course of what's going on uh, here in the fire service. And um, well, I'll, I'll save the rest of it for when we get started, but now I'll kick it over to uh, Chief Bobby Halton. I'm Bobby Halton. I'm a firefighter, uh, volunteer out in Limestone, Oklahoma, uh, Fire Protection District number two. Uh, we have the distinct uh, pleasure of protecting uh, uh, Garth Brooks' uh, home, and uh, he's a, a local country music artist. might have heard of him. You, you know, you can tell his place because he's got radial tires on top of his double wide, so you know, just to show off. I guess he sold a couple of songs. So we're out here just north of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, my, my full-time gig, I'm, I'm a retired career firefighter. And my full-time gig is running fire engineering, um, fire press emergency equipment, the Journal of Emergency Medical Services, EMS Today, FDIC, and Fire Engineering Magazine. And the United Fire Conference. <laughs> Well, thanks, Bobby. Uh, Bobby McGee here from uh, the small state of Delaware. I work in Ocean City, Maryland, lieutenant there, uh, take care of fire training and things like that. Been the fire service for about 32 years. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, uh, doing so much training. Uh, I think sometimes our younger, uh, our younger members don't get a fair shake at everything. This is a good conversation to have for all of us. So looking forward to the conversation. Nick? Evening, everyone. I'm one of those younger guys. Uh, Nick Kodakavage. I work uh, career uh, fire department down here in South Florida. Uh, had the pleasure of working for Chief Steedman for a few years. Um, volunteered a couple of years and a couple of years. It's been five years I've had time in the fire service. Uh, I'm looking forward to this podcast and I'll turn it over to Will. Will Holt, uh, I live down here in southeast Kansas. Uh, I work for the Olathe Fire Department. We have eight stations with nine companies. Serve about 150,000 people approximately. I, uh, I currently ride Rescue 51A, the best company in the city. And uh, I just want to say that it's a, a pleasure and honor to be, uh, to be here with you gentlemen today. Awesome. Welcome. Uh, so, so thanks. Welcome, everybody. Um, just before, so typically, uh, we would I would kind of run the the direction of the conversation for tonight. Uh, however, we're going to do something a little different. And before I kick it over to Trevor, uh, I've been informed that this weekend is is 
quite a milestone for Trevor. Uh, so happy birthday, Chief. <laughs> Thank you. Let me let me give the uh, stink eye to my wife real quick. I don't know what you're talking about. There's there was no um, pre conversations or anything about that prior to that. So um, so happy birthday. Um, let's kick it back to to Bobby real quick. Uh, Bobby Halton. Uh, for the so you can talk about FDIC and the United Fire Conference. Um, no, real quick, uh, FDIC 2020 due to the pandemic uh, you know, uh, has been canceled officially. But what we're going to do is we're going to roll the whole cadre of folks, all the classes that were uh, scheduled. We're going to roll it over 2021, so the keynoters are going to stay the same and all of that. Uh, and then you know, if folks can't be there. We'll obviously fill them in. So we will be looking for some new presentations. We're going to be expanding a little bit. But we're still going to have the same 211 classrooms. We're going to have 90 workshops. We're going to have 27 hands-on training evolution. So we're going to have 590 of your favorite instructors out there in Indianapolis in 2021. Um, and and it, it should be awesome. And we'll try to put in a couple of new surprises. Obviously, we're going to we're going to blow it up big time because it's because of, it's the first time in the history of FDIC, which was founded in, in 1928, that it's ever been canceled. World Wars didn't do it. Vietnam War didn't do it. Korea War didn't do it. It, it, it went on through everything. Uh, it went on through, actually, I think we were counting the other day, 26 other pandemics didn't affect it, including the pandemic of 1957, the pandemic of 1969, which, which almost 180,000 Americans lost their lives and, and uh, 2.5 million worldwide. Um, that, that didn't get it, but, but this one did. So um, we're going to roll it over. And then we're going to have a, a celebration in September in the great city of Indianapolis. It's the 22nd through 24th. We're going to have the United Fire Conference. Uh, we're inviting everybody. Uh, it's, for, it's for all ranks. It's for all ages. It's for, it, we've got some of the usual suspects, a bunch of new people. We're going to have lessons learned from the COVID thing. We've got a few docs who agreed to come and talk. We've got, you know, great, you know, names in the fire service are going to be there from Goldfeder, Alaska, Salka, Fields, you know, uh, Roden, McCormick, the, the, the usual suspects, they're all going to be there. And then a bunch of intentionally, a bunch of, you know, up and coming superstars that are going to show us old farts how to get it done correctly this time. And uh, so it's going to be a great time, huge celebration. <clears throat> the, the IFD is going to roll up red carpet. The unions are lining up some parties. There's a unity celebration being planned. And, and half of the revenue from the show is going to be split between the NFFF and Tunnels to Towers Foundation. And if you don't know what Tunnels to Towers is, that's the Stephen Stiller Foundation. And what they do, his brother Frank, who is a, a cop, he runs it. And, and they buy out the mortgages when one of our brothers or sisters get killed in the line of duty. Military, cops, and firefighters. They, they pay for the mortgage. So you guys all know the terrible story up there in Maryland where we lost a, a firefighter tragically last year. Um, he was struck in Hanover within, within weeks, his widow who spoke for us at FDIC, she's coming back next year. Her mortgage was paid off. Within weeks. And so, um, you, you can't find a better group of people. So them and the NFFF who do, they just do God's work. I mean, the, the memorial every year, they take care of widows and orphans. The NFFF has so many programs. And, and, and people really need to take a hard look at the NFFF. It's a great organization. They do so much more than people know of. It's not just full time. They do a lot of great things too. So it's just going to be, it's just going to be no hot training. It's going to be all sit on your ass training. 
what we call SWAT. We have HALT and SWAT. So it's all sit on your ass training, but it's great training, 90-minute classrooms, uh, a great exhibition hall has been put together. You know, people are going to be there. Um, really hope you can make it. We're going we're gonna to blow the doors off. We're going to, we're going to, uh, maybe you know, when no one's looking, shake hands. So, yeah. and who knows where we'll be by then, right? Currently, we're planning for all the current restrictions and rules and regs, but things are moving so quickly um, that you know I don't I don't know where we'll be. You know I don't I don't know what all the rules will be then. But we're going to follow all of them, and we're not we're 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 firefighters, but we're we'll be as rogue as we possibly can without being illegal. <laughs> Well, push, push the limits. Maybe, maybe, maybe. There may be some beverages, you know, out there, hopefully. But please come. Oh, and it's only $200. The whole thing is $200. And, and half of that is going to Tulsa Towers and, and the NSSS. So please come and, and uh, I hope to see you all there. It's online. Go to uh, unitedfireconference.com and, and please uh, love to see you. Thanks. Sorry for the shameless pitch. Oh, it's all good, Chief. Thank you. And thanks for joining us. Uh, for you and uh, Nick and Will, thanks for – we really appreciate you guys coming on. So, um, Trevor, here you go, man. All yours. All right, brother. Um, again, uh, thanks, Chief Halton. Appreciate it. And if I can make one s small suggestion, maybe in deference to FDIC, just so we don't completely miss out, uh, maybe we could have a networking one morning where we all get up at 5 o'clock, we wait for about an hour in the marshalling area, have some coffee, and then we just network for whatever the length of the bus ride would be to the uh, hot training site. So uh, this this is my first year that it's, you know, since actually it moved to Indianapolis that I've missed it. And uh, But, again, we understand, you know, the, the why behind it, which, you know, is obviously for the safety and security of all of our members and the people who attend, I mean, it, it is truly the world's uh, largest firefighter training conference. So with that being said, uh, it's definitely going to be missed, but not forgotten. And uh, you know, thank you for trying to put something and giving us some semblance of normalcy. And you know, the uh, National Fallen Firefighters has been uh, an organization that is very near and dear to our hearts back in Maryland. Our Fools chapter, is, as you, all you guys here, have been staunch supporters of the Fools over the years. Um, we did fundraisers throughout the year for them. So by all means, we get a chance, you know, let's, let's support a great cause. Um, real quick, I want to be able to get to the folks that we brought on tonight, which is our millennials. Um, and I, I got to tell you, I've got to make a confession. Um, there was a point in time that I didn't like you guys, not, not you, not you on the screen, but in general, because let, let's face it, let's talk about the rites of passage. There is no, generation of firefighters who's ever going to be as good or work as hard as the one previous to them. And I've been on this job now for 33 years. I'm very proud of that longevity, but I am still a flaming idiot to the people who came on before me. And I couldn't, you know, pour piss out of a boot with directions on the heel, according to them, probably still. And that's kind of the rite of passage we go through. But as time went on, uh, we started to really look at this new generation of millennials and go, oh, gosh, they don't just don't have a work ethic. They don't they don't appreciate the job. It's not like you know, when when I came in, you know, I had three quarter boots and long coats and you guys have the best gear in the world and you have it so easy. So as we as we started to go forward, it went beyond that rite of passage where we gave a hard time to this new generation. But this new generation had access to things that we never had. They had information. They were tech savvy. They were educated. And we had so many firefighters who said, hey, yeah, I don't need that education. I don't need this training. I know I know what I need to know. And you, you can't teach what I know. 
okay, well, that, that, might, that might be true to a certain extent. But then we started looking, and, and uh, Chief Halton, I've got to give you a, a lot of credit on this. There's, there's things and people who've swayed me in my opinion. And you know, over the years, I, I, I work with Ben directly. And uh, probably one of the last major fires I was on uh, before I retired from Ocean City, Ben was my chauffeur on a, uh, on a building fire, pretty, pretty good snot slinging event. And we had a mayday. We had a lot, a lot of people pulled from the building. And you know, this guy held his own. I had a lot of respect for him before that call and had even more afterwards. And then I had a chance to work uh, with Nick. And Nick, you never work for me. You work with me. Get that straight soup sandwich. Um, Nick, Nick's one of my favorite people. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud that he actually combed his hair. Thank you for not using a shoe to comb your hair tonight. But, um, you know, I, I, work, I work with Nick. It's like, wow, you know, if only everybody was like Nick. And I had a chance to do some teaching with Will and, and uh, came up with him out in Wichita Hot. And one of the things that really pushed me over, uh, I was teaching a class uh, several years ago out of Wichita Hot with Bobby. Um the McGee Bobby, not the, the Halton Bobby. And I made a comment during class, just an arbitrary comment. And it was actually in support of some of our younger members and mentoring and, and trying to coach these people. And there was the, the audience participation part. And I was shocked because someone actually participated. And there was this young member who goes, I was just in a class down the hall. And all the instructor did was you know, run down millennials. And you know, I felt like I was the worst person in the world. And I said, well, what have you done not to be that guy? Because I have a lot of you guys that I'm dealing with right now, too. So when I got to know you guys better and better, I said, well, there's there's some hope. And then I realized there's there's more of you than less of you. But there's always that guy who kind of makes the bad example, just like my generation. We have bad examples. And then, um, you know, I've, I've known Chief Halton for a long time. We've got got to know him over the years, especially through FDIC and fire engineering. And he was given a presentation after I came down here to South Florida. And it was just an arbitrary comment during a presentation when he talked about the young folks and the next generations. And, uh, Chief, I'm going to put you on the spot for a minute. But he said, you know, you know we talk about millennials. We, we, and I'm paraphrasing you. So if I, if I don't do you justice, you know, please correct me. But he said, you know, right now there's millennials who are flying F-18s off the decks of aircraft carriers and performing surgeries. That's pretty impressive. What are you doing right now? You, you guys are warming seats in an auditorium. Those guys are out doing that. And then we also look at the fact that, uh, you know, we talk about programs. And you know, when I came up as a new guy, I started seeing some deficits in my training and what was being passed along to me. And I had this image in my head that the guys who came up before me, they got to be smarter because they have more experience. They've been around. And then even with training, sometimes I see they cloister things so that when we had a, a specific call, They'd be the cool guy. They'd be the one who was the hero and knew what to do. And uh, Chief Halton, again, this is something uh, separately that you had said one time about fire programs and training. He said, you know, if, if, it, if it's um, you, if it's, it's not yours, if you can't give it away. So if you want to cloister something, then, you know, it's really not yours to begin with because it has to be yours to be able to give it away. So why not give it away? And so that's been the premise of training programs like, you know, Wichita Hot, FDIC, where we get together, we network as brothers and sisters, and we get the information out there. So here's here's the challenge I want to throw out tonight because people are going to get tired of hearing me talk because they want to hear uh, you younger folks talk before I need a bathroom break. But I look back on when I was a new guy and say, okay, you know, you, you got told who do you think you are, what makes you this, you know, don't tell me what to do, and especially becoming a, a younger officer. Again, I had that mindset that these people 
knew what to do. And for some of them, it was a job. It wasn't a duty. It wasn't a calling. It wasn't a career. It was 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. the next day. And they didn't want to have anything more to do with it. But I look at people like Bobby McGee and I look at people like Ben Waples, Nick Cotacavage, Will Holt, Bobby Holt, who say, no, it's a lot more than that here. So my question to the millennials tonight, and I'm, I don't I don't like labels and throwing you on that group. But at the same time is what did our generation do good, bad and ugly to help you or hinder you? And based on what you've learned and what you've been able to use as an example, whether it was a positive or negative example, what are you doing now? Because now all of you as millennials, you're getting to that point. There's another generation coming up behind you. And we have a, a great habit and tradition in the fire service of passing down traditional or traditionally we pass things down to the next generation, good and bad. So what are you, what are you doing to either support what we've done for you that was good? or negate and overcome what we've done that was negative for you. So with that, um, you know, uh, Ben, I'm going to throw it to you. I'm going to throw you under the bus first. And uh, those, those are a couple of questions I have for you guys. And I want you to be able to kind of speak openly about it. And, um, you know, again, it, it, we, we want to do this for the better than the fire service. So go for it. Yeah. Um, thanks. Um, I think one of the things that, that I've struggled with is, is now, you know, being in Salisbury for as long as I have and, uh, and promoting up and, and being in a position to kind of help mentor those new people. It, it is, it's, it's like you talked about, you see the stuff where it's like, man, what the hell? Like these kids don't know what they're doing. Well, of course they don't know what they're doing. Like they, it's the first time they've joined the fire service, you know, like what, what have I done to help them? To, to know that and to know what to do, um, you know, like we've talked about before here, you know, you get through your your basic firefighting class through your state training academy, whatever your your um, department's academy, whatever it is. Yeah. Now that you've reached that base level, like that's great. Um, we always end our our graduation ceremonies with congratulations. Now you're there. Um, you are probably now one of the most dangerous people on the fire ground. Okay. You've got just enough training for you to be confident in what you, what you know, but you have no idea what you don't know. And it, it then becomes our job on the floor to, to finish them off and polish them up and, and make sure that, you know, they're getting the information that they need. Um, you know, I, I'll never forget working with Mike Maycrantz and, you know, the, doing my FTO and all that kind of stuff starting in ocean city. And, you know, Holy cow, like you want to talk about a crazy man, both in a good way and a bad way. You know, he was, he was a fanatic about doing things the right way and making sure things are done the way that they're supposed to. And I learned a lot about that from him. But at the same time, it's like, Holy cow, this dude is nuts. Like love him to death, but this dude is nuts. And like, what, why do we need to polish the the tires on the fire engine at six thirty in the morning when we're getting off in half an hour? Like I could have done that. I could have done that last night after dinner. But you want me to do it at six thirty in the morning? Come on, man. Um, and 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 in typical Maycrans fashion, it would be, hey, uh, you need to go do that. All right, I'm going to sit right here, eat my bowl of cereal, and uh, and make sure you're doing a good job. Like, thanks, Maycrans. Got it. Love you. But relax, dude. You know, so it, and, I, and I pick on him like there, there's 
there's very there's I, I would say that there's very few firemen that are on the level of May Cranes. Um, you know, it's just a phenomenal inside and out, top to bottom. Like you would struggle to find a better fireman, a better leader, and a better mentor than Mike Maycranes. But like that's the kind of stuff. Like we would we would find stuff, and it, it, this isn't just specific to him. Now um, we would find stuff to do just because it needed to be done. But let's let's use our time wisely, not just do stuff to do stuff. You know, busy that, work. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of my start for now, and it, it was. I think, I think the thing that really drove that home, um, you know, the it's my job to help start that mentoring, um, was I saw um, the trusted voices on fire engineering, it, with Chief Halton sitting and talking with Chief Brunacini before he passed, and um, I think Chief Brunacini was talking about these guys don't like one of their one of their senior guys came to him and said these guys don't know how to run a saw, doesn't know how to do this, and Brunacini's response was. What have you shown them? Have you taught them? And that that's exactly it. Like, yes, we're coming into a position where we're, we're going to be the leaders in the fire service where we're taking over, but we need to make sure that us as that upcoming generation doing that. And I, I think, and I, I would, I would imagine Nick and Will would say the same thing that we were both very fortunate to have some great mentors um, to get us to the point where we are. I mean, we're not, we're, I don't know about me, but we're not a bunch of shit bags that are here tonight to have this conversation. You know, I, I know Let that there, be the judge of that son. <laughs> um, I know that there's going to be people that might say that about me, which is fine. They can say that, no. but I'm going to try my best to do the best that I can. But at the same time, like we've, we've gotten to where we are and we've done what we've done because we have that, we have that drive and we want to be better. You know, and I think that's a big part of this whole thing with the millennials too. And and it's not just millennials; it's the the generation after that, and the generation after that, and as we go forward. So, so now I'm going to stop talking and, and kick it off to somebody else. Well, Ben, I would I would agree with you wholeheartedly. And one of the things I've seen in the past is, and it's it's a poem about you know death and dying, unfortunately. But they talk about how you spend your dash. And one of the things that I try to impress on people is there's a big difference in having. 20, 25, 30 years of experience or 25 or one year of experience repeated 25 times. Mm -hmm. And you, what have you done in your time in the fire service? Cause there are some uh, folks down here in South Florida. I've come to meet in uh, recent years that are in the same age group you are. And they're very accomplished. They're, they're, they're extremely, uh, they're extremely bright. They got a lot going on. But one of the things that I think that has happened over the years to kind of pigeonhole, the millennials and uh, I'm going to pass it to Nick next to see what he thinks is the millennials have had more access to information, advanced education. And there's some, there's some of us in the fire service that said, ah, yeah, I'll never need that. That doesn't matter. You know, as long as I have a, you know, a weak mind and a strong back, I can throw ladders until I'm you know, old and in the grave. But what, what would happen sometimes is these folks would be highly credentialed, but mentally experienced, and they wind up leapfrogging over some of the more senior members when it came time for promotions. And that caused a lot of angst and, and consternation where the, the uh, older generation wouldn't even support them because now all of a sudden they didn't feel important anymore. They didn't feel validated, and they are. And um, you know, to that end, one of, the, one of the things I look at, especially with Ben and, and Nick and, and Will, you especially with your instructional background now, is look at all the things that I suck at 
because I'm not a tech guy. You know who my tech guy is? Well, hold on. So I get to get the screen correct. Ben, over there. You, ben, ben has taken this, this platform to new heights. I could never do it. And that's because you know, the, the, the teaching and, and being able to bring them in to be able to be part of the instructional point that, that we can start blending the fire service together. And you have a worth and value. And it's not just technology, but you, you, have, you have a stake in the fire service and, and a place where you have a skill that someone else doesn't. So, Nick, um, I've had the privilege of working with you and uh, seeing you grow up. Now, I've, I've seen you go from a, a boy to a, a man. And, um, you know, now, now you've got a, a family at home and everything else. So, Nick, can you talk about some of your experience and, uh, and how this factors into what, what you see now and what you'd like to see going forward? Yeah, uh, I mean, I feel, I feel very fortunate growing up. I've had my hands in a lot of different uh, trades. So I've had experience with, with different mechanics of different things, you know. And going back to, first off, back to what Chief said about, uh, I wish there were more of me. I'm just a regular guy trying to provide for my family that found a career that I'm passionate about. So, I mean, more of me or not, I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm just a regular, regular guy doing my thing. And, um, but what Ben, Ben was talking about, um, how, Oh, this this kid, he gets all the foundation. He goes to fire school and then he gets picked up by a certain department and goes to their academy. That that's a basis. So you have that. And I'm kind of caught in the middle because like I like you guys have said, I, I've had great nothing but great experience with my different mentors along my path so far. And uh, and I took advantage of that personally. I, I'm asking the questions. I, I take the classes. I I make it, it. It's more than just a career to me. It's 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 my life. I love this, and I see both. I see people go both ways. So I'm kind of caught in the middle. Like, yes, are you? What are you teaching your your new guy or whatever? And then you have the other path. What are you doing to ask for? that experience are you taking the initiative to say hey hey cap hey can we train on this i want to know this and i don't i don't know really i see i see both ways so it, i'm kind of stuck in the middle um that's all i have for right now i'm jockey you've always been a man of concise and few words but uh I, I will say this, and um, you know, Nick, Nick is one of those people that when I saw him, he reminded me of the old school, and, that, and that's something I could assimilate to where I was like, oh, this guy came from the trades. He can work with his hands, and we do. We have some younger members coming in right now that they don't know how to operate a power tool. They, is it their fault? That's not something they're getting, and so we need to kind of backtrack because technology has far surpassed everything, and we underst need to understand not only where the fire service has been, but also where it's going. And, you know, like I was told a long time ago, you know, don't don't worry about the dinosaurs in the fire service. Worry about the eggs they leave behind. And th that's true to a point. But and I'll give you an example before we pitch over to uh, Will Holt, uh, also known as Big Country. That was a nickname he got long, long ago uh, back during some of the training. But, um, you know, we we look we look at some of the things over time in, in the fire service of, of what we've done, what we've not done. 
And you know, we've really got to be able to you know, put out some of these newer members in a, in a context they understand. And you know, now there's so much access to information. You can get uh, you can go on YouTube and see you know 20 minute, 20 second snippets of information that come out. But you know, to Nick's credit, it was one of those people that they they reminded me of the old school a little bit. So at the same time. You, I, I sound like Charlie Brown's teacher after a while. You, you, you put the white hat on and people will listen to you, not because they really want to, just because uh, I got to listen to this guy because uh, he's doing my evaluation. He's, he's signing my paycheck. It's great if they listen to you because they want to. But at the end of the day, you hope they do. But the same message given by a different voice can resonate completely differently. So when Nick took the opportunity as a young firefighter, and Nick, I'll tell you this, I'm going to embarrass you and you'll turn red. But you, I'm like, this guy has potential to be an officer very soon, and he should be an officer. And he's like, no, no, no. He's going to be modest. He's not going to see it. But right now, this is a guy who would take the time to take whatever he had learned, and he didn't keep it to himself. He passed it along. And the ultimate form of learning was teaching for him. So he would pass this information along, and he wanted to be better. And, Nick, you remember some of the you know, crazy assignments I used to give you in the beginning of the shifts. Um, you know, I'd say, hey, Nick, by the end of the shift, I want a uh, PowerPoint. I, I hate PowerPoint, by the way, no offense. But yeah, I said, Nick, I, I, you give, give, give me a uh, presentation on XYZ subject. This guy would take it and run with it. You know, not, not that I really wanted him to, to, to do a PowerPoint presentation for the group, which was nice because it saved me a little bit of work. But the guy learned it, and he was able to know that subject inside and out. And not only that, but he could pass it along to others. And you know, Nick, you did a great job with it. Again, I'm very proud of your um, your grooming standards. You've uh, come to adhere now that you're with the county. You you actually comb your hair. Is your is your shirt tucked in? I don't even want to know. That's a waste of okay. thing. So anyway, but but all that aside, um, so you know, that that was that bridge that was gapped. And so you know, between some of the things that you know Chief Halton said, my experience with Ben and Nick, and then you know, I'm going to pass it over to Will also, where you see these folks who. At first, you're like, ah, it's a young kid. They're wet behind the ears, but they get it. They understand it. And these are the people now who are, in Ben's case, he's an officer. In, in Nick and Will's case, if you guys don't sit for an exam, I know you might not think you're ready, but you know, get up off your ass and do it because you're you're the next generation. You, you're you the guys who are leading this fire service because you got the right mentality. And like you said, it's, it's a duty. It's an honor. This is a privilege to do what we do. Best job in the world. So... Um, before I embarrass Nick any further, I'm going to uh, turn it over to Will and uh, you know, tell us about the good, the bad, and the ugly of your experience coming up and also what yeah. you plan to do for bringing up the next generation. Yeah, thanks, Trevor. I appreciate that. That's a lot of good comments, man. Hey, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, I, uh, I love this job. I think it's the best job in the world. Um, I don't know if anything else I can do really besides construction work, but that's uh, my back shows for that. So, uh, yeah, I, I truly believe that the secret sauce, if there is any, is in those mentors, right? Um, coming up, uh, you know, in a previous life, I had a little bit harder time as far as going to some trainings and trying to be that aggressive fireman. I feel like when we all come into this service, we have this idea of, of what, what a fireman should be, right? Um, hopefully you do. And when you come in, you try to strive to have that standard. You know, Chief, Chief Mike Walker of Oklahoma City talks about that fireman standard, you know? And to uphold that and, 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 and strive to have that is, was very important to me. But I, I took some backlash in the very beginning as far as, hey, kid, what are you doing? This is how we do this. You know, and, and I've since moved on from that. But 
that actually made me, I feel, um, more knowledgeable as far as developing myself. And, and I wrote this down. It's it's not always going to be easy to not not just get along to go along, right? I, I had a hard time being the guy that, uh, hey, I'm going to go to this training on my own or I'm going to pay money to go to FDIC and go see Trevor and hang out with all the good people up there, you know? And that, uh, that wasn't always very received, you know? So, um, you know, working through that and, and getting to where I'm at now, I, you know, I'm very fortunate. I work for a department now that is rich in tradition and takes care of their members. Uh, as far as our academies, you know, I see in our academies that from day one, we set that fireman standard, you know, and, and at the end of the day with members, they don't know what they don't know. So, as long as we set that standard from the very beginning and anytime we get a new fireman into our house, I try to set that standard, right? Because just like uh, Ben said, you know, and just like Chief Walker mentions and, and many fire service leaders before, that if we don't take, to t take the time to show these people what that standard is, then we have nowhere to go from there or no reason to bitch about it at the end of the day. And Will, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And um, yeah, I, I feel like the, the old guy, um, as Nick would call me, museum quality. Um, but you know, I, I see some of you guys coming up, and you, it, it, it gives me joy to see what's coming up next in the fire service because there's always that guy. And Bob, I'm going to switch to Bobby McGee here real quick because Bobby is one of those people who will take any opportunity to just bust my chops about technology. I'm not a tech guy. Um, Bobby knows this, and he makes me very well aware of this all the time. But in, in the age of technology, and especially social media, we see a lot of things coming out that sometimes don't reflect well on some of the younger generation. And I know from personal conversations with you guys, you're like, oh, why did that person do that? That just puts us so much further back. And you look at that firefighter or that paramedic or both who spends more time posting about just ancillary things. And if they put as much time into training and learning the job and being a practitioner of their trade that they did in posting stuff, and I'm not talking about posting a training segment that helps others, but you know, here's our, here's our prank of the day at the firehouse. And, you know, granted uh, you talked about Mike Maycrans earlier, Ben, um, <laughs> I won't mention anything because the statute of limitations is not up on some of the things, but you, but all, every single one of you guys in personal conversations has said, Oh, that guy. And, and we hear that a lot from other people in that millennial group who have that struggle because for every great thing that all of you guys do, there's that other faction of the same age group that detracts from it. So Bobby um, McGee is, as the uh, probably uh, you're a little bit older than me. I'll, I'll let that go. But anyway, but as, as a person who's actually, you know, adheres to training and somebody I have a great deal of respect for in the fire service, not only from an operational and administrative standpoint, from a, a, a training standpoint, and you engage this younger generation constantly um, at your advanced age. Um, so Bobby, can you talk about that a little bit as far as how you, know, you how you've come to uh, blend everything together from not only the physical, but also the, you know, the, the way people learn in the contemporary society and also the social media part. Yeah, thanks, Trevor. Um, 
I guess the way to start off is how, how I started. So, you know, I started off uh, firefighting in the Navy, and um, I don't even include that in my fire service time because it was just such a different a different kind of thing in the military. Uh, but when I came to the, uh, the what I call the regular American fire service was in the 80s. Um, you know, I, I remember going through uh, my school. I was a volunteer here in Delaware. And uh, I went through Delaware State Fire School, and we had like 240 people in their structural firefighting class all at the same time, kind of rolling through things, you know. And I remember that was like you had to have these certain particular classes back then in Delaware to be certified as a firefighter. And I took those classes, and I came back to my local fire department. And, and I remember, just like it was yesterday, that how much I felt like I didn't know. Um, I, I came out of there, and I felt like like I wasn't – I felt like I wasn't, I didn't tell anybody this, but I, I didn't feel like I was ready. And I got really, I developed a hunger for knowing more about my job. Um, it, it just, it just started that way. And it just so happened, and, and Bobby's probably going to remember this, but uh, it just so happened around that same time, fire engineering put on an insert and it was really uh, the big argument that's still going on about smoothbore versus fog stream patterns. Um, and, uh, you know, smoothbore. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but, but, you know, when, when, I, when, I, when I read that article, they, I, the fire stream management book that Fire Engineering put out, and I, I read that from front to back, front to back, front to back, and, and, and learned more. And, and that, that continued on, you know. And then, you know, one of the big secrets about instructors is, uh, after doing it for a gazillion years, um, you know, when you become an instructor, you're not ready to be an instructor. There's no instructor that ever started off that was remotely ready to be an instructor. And so for our millennials that are just going off, um, you're probably not comfortable being a mentor because you're, you're probably not ready to be a mentor in a broad sense. But every single thing you learn well, you're a mentor. If you know how to go through a, a, a door correctly, if you know how to advance a hose line correctly, you're ready. So, um, you know, what ends up happening is doing training so many people for so long. The one thing I noticed about the millennials is there's an age. It's not really the millennials in general, but there's an age. Like when guys are between like 19 and 23, they tend to really want to learn a lot. Uh, they want to run lines for two hours with you. They want to, you know, go through the door, you know, 20, 30 times. They want to do all these kinds of things with you. And then a lot of guys end up going like they back off of all that. And they kind of, they, they hang their hat on their experience. They go, ah, I, I go to fires and I get that and so on and so forth. Well, uh, I never felt that way. I always felt like you always got to be the student of the game. Um, and I also felt like you got to be relevant. And so that's, you know, I've always kind of migrated back to being an interior officer kind of guy or an interior firefighter kind of guy because that's really where I love to be. And if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to take the lumps along with the millennials, uh, you'll instantly gain a lot of respect from them. And then the funny thing is when you gain that respect from them, like if you tell a millennial, yeah, I used to do that, um, they're, they may not buy it. It's just, I mean, just how they're, that's how they're wired. Um, and like you said, Trevor, man, we've never had as much information available to these guys as we, as we have in the past. So, um, you know, I, you know, really, truly, you know, if you, if you say you, um, you know, if we, if we give praise to our military, then you're giving praise to millennials because there's nobody my age out there uh, running through Iraq or Afghanistan or anywhere like that. It's all millennials over there. So if you feel like you support our, our, our servicemen and women in this country, then you're supporting millennials and the fire service is the same way. These guys are, 
they're, they're the next generation to come up. And, um, you know, we need to work really hard to be students of the game. Um, what I learned after 32 years is how much I don't know about the fire service. It's just one of those things that, we, you know, that, that as you go along, you figure out how many things you don't know. So I think a little bit of humility goes a long way for those of guys have been around for a while uh, when you're dealing with these new millennials. And I think a little bit of patience goes a long ways too. what took us 30 years to learn. They're not going to get in six months. They might get exposed to it. They might see it. They might hear it, but there's not going to be good at it yet. And I think we have to have a little bit of patience for that too, that they just haven't had the reps yet. So that's, that's kind of a, a short spin. I want to really, really want to hear what Bobby has to say about all this. Um, but I mean, I think you got to be relevant. Um, you got to be believable by them and that's by being relevant and you got to be always be a student of the game you have always got to be a student of the game you can never think if you've got it and you everyone's heard this before if you got it it's, it's time to get out because it's just you I, I'll, I'll die not having it I'll just keep chasing this thing forever so that, that's pretty much what I, my thoughts were Trevor yeah and brother I, I agree with you and I've, I've had the privilege of um, working with Bobby McGee and teaching with him all, all over the country. And um, it's one of those things where I was, I was actually talking about you earlier today, Bobby, is that, you know, if I see something as black and somebody else sees as white, you see that form of gray that nobody else ever considered. And we have that aha moment. So I think, you know, like you said, your relevance, you don't want to feel like that dinosaur is sitting there telling war stories to the younger generation because some of those things are interesting. But how does it help them be better at doing their job? And a lot of times they'll satiate you and li listen to your story. But. They, they want the information and how it applies now. And, and Bobby, to your, uh, to your credit, I remember when you're going through some of the pump training, you had some folks come to you and say, hey, th this is all great stuff, but what do I need to know? What, tell me the 3 a.m. stuff. And you were flexible enough to kind of change your training and uh, you know, be able to have that kind of flexibility and insight versus being rigid and, and saying, okay, well, it's my way or the highway. And if we still had that same attitude, we'd still be writing uh, with markers on acetate on the uh, overhead projector versus, you know, using what we do now in some of the classrooms. So um, Chief Hall, I just kind of want to throw it to you just for a second and say with the platform that has been established through FDIC and we look at things when FDIC first started, for example, it was a fire department instructors conference. It was very small. It was intimate. It was great. But now look at how it's just, I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of people from multiple nations throughout the world that attend this. And it's been opened up. And you know, we've seen that. And at first, I know there was some reluctance and resistance because then we all put on our you know, instructor face and say, Who, who's this guy out here who's, whose balls haven't even dropped yet, who's coming into this class with us? And then we realized, okay, well, if you're going to be an instructor, part of your obligation is to pass along not only as the instructor for the class, but as a participant. If you have information to pass along, the onus is on you. So could you talk for a minute, um, if you would, about how the platform of FDIC has changed over the years and how it starts to incorporate some of these um, up-and-coming people that you know maybe a year ago we never heard of, and now there are people we're following on social media? Okay. Uh, well, it started in 1928, and actually in 1928, it was considered a rather large gathering. And, and one of the things which is interesting historically, especially in the United States, is that voices that need to be heard tend to be heard despite the crowd. So if you think about our early days in the early uh, 1700s, there was a guy named uh, Whitefield who came to America. He was a preacher from England, young man, about 27 when he got here. 
But he had to leave England because in England, he had created such a stir with his preaching where he said, all men were equal. So whether you were the king or a duke, or you were the guy shoveling horse poop off the street, you were equal in God's eyes. And when he would speak, uh, crowds of 20 and 30,000 people would show up. One of the guys that went to hear him talk was a guy named Ben Franklin. And Ben Franklin, probably around 17, I don't know, I'm going to say around 1730, 1740, somewhere in there, went to go hear this guy Whitefield speak. And he'd heard of him. And he said before he went, he made sure he didn't take too much money. He took a couple pieces of silver, a couple pieces of copper, a couple pieces of gold. Well, because Whitefield could charm the money right out of your pockets. And he was determined not to give him any more of his money. But by the end of it, he admitted that he gave every man, every penny he had, he put into the collection plate for this guy because he was that good. The other thing that he was trying to test was he had heard that no matter where you were in the crowd, you could hear him as if he was standing next to you. And so he walked around this crowd of 20,000 people and he found that to be true. And he wrote about it. It's, it's all written. Frank, Franklin copied this all down. And I think it's still true today. So. In 1928, when FDIC started the Fire Bar Instructors Conference, it was considered rather large. There were probably 40 or 50 uh, men, and they're all men at those times, who all met. And remember, there weren't the acoustical stuff we have today in 1928. It was a, it was a hall, and they wrote papers. And a man would stand behind a podium, and he would speak. And the other men would be quiet and listen. And they would hear every word he said. And that's true today. When a man stands to speak at FDIC or a woman today, the crowd's quiet and they listen. If, if you see the respect that the men and women in the fire service show for the people who are willing to get up and share, it's phenomenal. And it, it's not something that's common throughout all parts of our society. And, and Aristotle wrote about how uh, when Plato would speak, Plato never wrote a word. It was all written after. So it's the same phenomena, right? And that becomes part of who we are. And the men and women who are drawn to this profession are people who value humanity above all else. And they respect the sanctity of the individual and the individual life. And they're willing to, list, to risk themselves as groups to save one forlorn individual who they know nothing about. And that's the predicate. That's the predicate for becoming a firefighter. I want to read something real quick. In fact, am I allowed to take a minute outside the question? Of course, Chief. Okay. I, I want to break any rules. Oh, you're good. You're good. There, there are no rules. I've been known for that. And, and then I got a couple of notes because I'm a, I'm an ombudsman by nature, and I just want to talk about it. But this was written interesting. It says, the world is running fast. No group or any business is running faster for progress or for survival than, than fire chiefs. In just a decade, a dot in the American fire service continuum the business of emergency services has been transformed with unprecedented speed and unprecedented proportions. Never has fire service tradition been so thoroughly scrutinized, exploded, and rewritten. Never have fire departments ex experienced the magnitude of organizational cultural change. Nor has the successful fire department management but goes on and on. Any idea when that was written? When were you born, uh, Will? You can you, you. 1991. 91? Nick, 91? Nice. Same thing, yes, sir. Before you guys were born. But those words could be true right now today. Right? Of course. So it's interesting. My old man was a, was a great guy. He was on the job for a while. Then he drank himself off it. Then he became a, 
uh, a lawyer and he quit drinking. I don't know what we were more embarrassed about the fact that he quit drinking or he became a lawyer, but I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't drink either. Uh, and I love my dad. It's just a joke, but uh, God bless him. But he used to say, don't throw out your skinny ties because guys, ties can do two things. They can go wide, they can go narrow. And it's interesting. Smooth bore versus fog. Oh, I'm a smooth bore guy. I'm a fog guy. If that's all you know about nozzles, you're in trouble because there are about 11 types of nozzles out there. And if you don't know all of them, you're a knucklehead. And if you don't realize that you need that fog nozzle, if you've got a gas line that's busted, or if you've got a, you're going to a petroleum plant or a, 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 a boat manufacturing place or a place that's got, you better have that fog nozzle and you better know how to use it. If all you've got is, a, if all you have is one gun in your pocket, you're the guy I want to be in a gunfight with because I am going to kill your ass. So there is no one tool fits all. Some other things that we heard, the recruit is not the most dangerous guy. The new kid's not the most dangerous guy. The most dangerous guy in the fire service is between seven to 12 years. And we know that from an empirical study. And that's the guy who thinks he knows what he doesn't know. Will Rogers once said, we're all ignorant, just different subjects. And, ben Fr- and, and Thomas Jefferson said, the most dangerous man in the world is the man who's read one book. And, and so generally speaking, what he meant was you've got this person who believes they know, you know, it's, it's the illusion of knowledge. And as Bobby was talking about, as you get older, you get to be my age. I don't know. I don't know, Jack. I'm just making shit up. It's just really good that none of other people know Jack either because you're buying it. I'm just kidding. But I mean, we know how little we really know. The world is a complex, incredibly dynamic place. And, and we know a fraction of that. Our worldview is comprised of just this minute little window. You know, Plato once said that the wisest people were the people who could see the light outside the cave but the rest of us were all staring at the back of the cave. Shit, I'm, my head's so far into the bed, dumb. Not, it won't be out of it till, you know, till eight millennia from now. But I'll tell you what, there are two things that, that, that I always remember. And Tommy Brennan used to tell me I would never be a pimple on a good fireman's ass. And I always wondered, is there a bunch of firemen running around with pimples on their ass? But anyway, um, and he was my best friend, and, and he and Alan, and, and I feel like the last man standing out of that group. Um, I'm clearly, I'm, I'm, I'm on Medicare. So I'm like the oldest bastard of this group here. And, and thank you people for paying your bloody taxes so I can get colonoscopies regularly. But one of the things that, that, that I've always felt is that, and this is in all honesty, I've been given a lot of privilege in this, in this industry and I'm very grateful for it, this platform. And I, and I like to be a little bit bawdy from time to time with the troops, because I think as a good leader, you've got to remind the, the troops that you're still a troop, you know, I'll always be a firefighter first. That's, if you look at my coin, it says American firefighter. That's all it says. It doesn't say, my website says American firefighter. That's my tombstone. I won't have one because I'm going to get cremated. But if I was, that's all I want is somebody to say he was a good fireman. That's all, that's all I'm asking. Not a chief, not a captain, not a leader. I'm just, a, I just want to be known as a decent firefighter. And, and I hope someday that, that I'm the fireman that the, people in the fire service deserve to have sat in this position as I have for 15 years. I hope someday I'm, I'm worthy of that, of what's been given to me. And I think we all feel that way. I think Nick feels that way. I think Willie feels that way. I think we all feel that we've been given this incredible opportunity. Victor Frankel once said, the greatest thing in life is to have a purpose, to be able to serve other people. And we get to do that every day. And, and, and I don't care if you're, if you're dealing with some poor guy who's a whacked out crackhead on the side of the street has been drunk for 20 years. That person can teach you something. They can show you something that you never knew was possible. They can, they can change your life in an instant by you just being there for them because then they're going to be there for you. 
and, and I, a funny thing happened to me today. I knew we were going to be talking about this. I shared a letter I'd gotten from a, another firefighter a couple of weeks ago with everybody. But I was watching a special, which was horribly done by, about Grant by Chernoff and, and Leonardo DiCaprio on the, uh, on the History Channel. It's full of progressive left-wing biased bullshit. So, but it, still, it was great. But they showed some real pictures of some soldiers from the Civil War. And um, I looked at their faces. And they were Will. And they were Nick. And they were Bobby. And they were Trevor. I mean, you could superpose any one of your faces on any one of those soldiers' faces from 1862, 1863, whenever they were taken, and, and they're us. And I think what, what has happened today is that we're in the silliest generation. I think, screw the, I'm a boomer, but screw X's and millennials. That's gibberish. That's, that, right. you put people into little things like that, you're, a, you're an idiot. Because there are things that I do that you know, 19-year-old guys would be embarrassed about, and there's things that, you know, that, that I do that are appropriate for my age, right? So, and I still skateboard for, for full disclosure. I, I was a skateboarder as a kid and I'm still a skater. And I skated when we had clay wheels, baby. I skated with Alva and Peralta and those people. I was with the Lords of Dogtown, man. So when I talk about skating, I was a skater. So, but I look at the faces and I see the hearts of those men in those pictures. And I see you guys, I see us, but we ascribe motive these days very freely. Our, our television, our social media, well, what Trump meant, well, what Hillary meant, oh, that's a dog whistle. Really? Really? Then, then anything anybody says can be construed to mean anything anybody wants, and you can throw any label on anybody. But the people who die in wars are young people, and the people who die in calamities like we're having right now are old people. So it's about the fragility of the envelope, and, and it's about the wisdom of the old being shared with the enthusiasm of the young. And, and that's the beauty of the fire service because we do that. I've, I've been to Wichita hot. I've, I've spoken in a couple of places and I'm always received graciously and kindly. And, and I know shit every, every now and then I got to get my grandson to tell me what, how to make this dopey thing work. Right. And he's gracious and he's kind and he shows me how to grandpa, this is an app and you know, and, and this is how that works. And he's not just condescending or mean. And I hope I'm the same with him when he asks me questions about people and, and life and, and, and the things that I've gone through, you know, and, and, and war and, and struggle. Because life is about struggle. It's not about happiness. It's not about any of that. It's about dignity and struggle. And, and oftentimes that struggle in life gets really sporty and, and people are at risk. And that's when guys and gals like us show up and make it better. And that's a privilege we should never take for, for granted. And I have never met a firefighter who has, not a real firefighter. Now, we've had some crazy uncles in our basement and, and some weird aunts who shouldn't have been here. But 99, I've never met one I didn't like. I, met, I thought some of them were wackadoodle dandies, but I've never met one I didn't like. I never met one I didn't love. And... and and I say that unreservedly. And, 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 and there are people out there who I know don't think a lot of me, but for what they've been willing to do and who they are, I love them because we don't have any power. We don't carry guns. We, we just show up and try to make it better. And, and as long as we keep doing that, I don't care if you're 99 or, or nine. If you want to help somebody, I'm right there with you, man. Show me what we need to do and I'll try to help. 
and and send send me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just you know. and just being able to do stuff like this. I mean, this is like, you know, I, that's why FDIC matters. That's why the United Fire Conference matters. Because other people look at us like, you guys just sit around and talk about firefighting for three days. Hell yeah! Yeah, you know, how great is that? And of course, cars. And, and, and girls and guys, you know, we talk about our, our husbands and wives and girlfriends and boyfriends and, and cars and, and, and sports, but mostly firefighting. All right. Hey, hey Ben. Yes, sir. Um, point of procedure from now on, Halton has to go last because you, you, how can you follow this guy? But anyway. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, actually, Chief, thank you for that. And, um, you know, no truer words have been spoken. And in deference to our friend Tom Brennan, um, you know, in fond memories, he was the guy who taught me how to read fire engineering backwards because when he used to have random thoughts, you remember that at, uh, at the back of the magazine, yeah. the, as soon as you got your fire engineering magazine for you millennials, that was a, it, it was a publication that after they finished chiseling it in, in stone, they actually put it out in paper and, and on Sanskrit. But anyway, they, so, um, when I was offered this job, true, true story. Tommy's one of my best friends. And so true story. I, I get off of this job. I had, I was, I was, I was a fire chief in Coppell, Texas. That's this little Republican ghetto outside of Dallas. They have like a fire of the month club and it's always in somebody else's neighborhood. So it, it, greatest firefighters, greatest fire department. The day I showed up, I told them we need a ladder truck. A week later, they gave me a million and a half dollars. That's all I had to do was say we needed one and we bought one. So that kind of place, right? So they offered me the fire engineering job. I hadn't put in for it. And so I called Tommy up and I said, gee, Tommy, I don't know what to do. And this is a true story. Tommy says, Hall, listen, stupid. I put your name in for that job. I want you to take the job. I said, hey, Tommy, I, I, I I don't even know how to spell editor. He said, they got people who do that for you. I said, Tommy, what if I'm a failure? He goes, Halton, how many fire chiefs are there in America? I said, I don't know, Tommy, 30,000, 40,000. He goes, that's right. How many editors in fire engineering? One. That's right, you idiot. You always, you're going to be the only one. So then I called Bruno, right? Because we were best friends. I said, Bruno, what do I do, man? I I don't know what to do, chief. I I don't want to take this job. I was nervous. I was scared. I don't know if I'll be any good. Bruno says to me, he goes, Halton, take the job. And you could be like Brennan for your life, walk around saying you used to be the editor of fire engineering. That's a true story. Oh my God. It's hysterical, man. You can't, I mean, it was like, God, it was like hanging out with, with, with Lewis and Martin or Abbott and Costello. You know, like they were just one up in each other all the time, man. And, and these were the same guys who would sit there no matter if you were you know, 30 years on the job or a rookie, they'd sit there at the Clotta in Indianapolis and have a beer with you. I mean, I was and I, on the stage between the two of them while they made fun of me. <laughs> well, and like I say, you know, Tom, you know I, I used to literally read fire engineering from back to front. I, I'd, I'd flip to the back page and look at random thoughts by Tom Brennan. And then, then I'd read the rest of it. But, uh, you, you know, it's you can buy them all. We put them in a book. You can buy them all. And, and uh, you know, and, and that's a fantastic part about our legacy. Yeah, and, you know, and his editorials are excellent too. If you go to the archives, he was editor in chief of Fire Engineering for seven years, and his editorials are phenomenal. Well, and that's something to pass along. And, and I'll, I'll I'll say this real briefly because I want to pass this along to uh, Ben and Nick and Will for some final thoughts on this. Um, you know, trying to pass along the information and bridging the gap. There. You and you, all of you guys have brought up the same thing. There's a lot of guys who either leave the fire service or retire, and they take that knowledge with them. And it's critical; it gets passed along. And it might not all be valuable; it might not all be applicable. But might not you know, all be true. Well, that's that. That's true. I mean, yeah, absolutely. 
but you guys are smart enough because now now you could actually what what's what's it called honey Reddit or whatever you can go on the, online and look at and see if something's validated. But either way, but point being is that you know, you can actually go and you know, look back at some of these things, and we want to pass it on. And one of the last academy classes that I had the uh, privilege of being uh, involved with is we, we we gave a lunch break, and of course the recruits are going, okay, why are they giving us a two hour lunch break? Something is wrong. Because, you know, everything was you know, very regimented and structured. And that two-hour lunch break, there was no instructors. There was no officers. We brought in retirees, and we sat the academy class and the retirees together and said, have lunch, talk, and either listen or talk. But, you know, these guys who retired, they've already fought the union battles. They've already seen this. They can give you a lot of good information. And the new guys can you – know, it was a great way to bridge the gap. And they sat there and had a great conversation. But the other thing was, too, that the retirees felt that they had some validity when they came. And I, I've not been gone very long from Ocean City, but I remember coming back into our, our, our Midtown station where I, I cut my teeth on ladder truck up there. And I came into the station and I had a, a nice young guy go, oh, excuse me, sir, this is a restricted area. Can I help you? I'm like, now nah, I'm good. And I was trying to go and get a cup of coffee. And he, he couldn't figure out why I was there. And uh you know, he stopped me again, very kind. And, you know, so I, I told him, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the old guys. I retired here a few years ago. So you know, it was one of those things where you bridge that gap and brought them together, but they got to talk and all that information, even if it didn't happen in that two hour period, the recruits could call up a retiree and say, hey, man, um, look, we just had this call down here. And I remember you saying something about, you know, this building or this area of town. Can you so it, it was it opened up those lines of communication. So what I'm going to ask um, for Ben and Nick and um, Will is what are you guys doing? You, you've seen the good, the bad and the ugly. You've been on the job long enough where, no, you're not dangerous. You're actually good and you know what you're doing. But you want to make it good for the people behind you because these are the people that now you're going to be supervising. And and there's some of us who you know we're the rods, the retired on duties. You know I'm that I hope I don't fit in that category, but you know you know who they are, the guys who you know they're just counting the days until their until their uh, pension check comes, and they don't care about the job anymore. And that's sad, but you still have to deal with them because now you're you're the officers who have to not only have leadership up and down. And that's part of a class that uh, you know actually I was fortunate enough to get picked up again at FDIC for well this year for 2021. It's you know 360 degree leadership. You have to lead up and down as someone in, in your generation because your your officers or your uh, aspiring officers now. So what are you, what are each one of you starting with Ben doing to make that course correction based on what we we, we did right? Meaning you know the, the our generation before you, what we did right, what we did wrong, what we could have done better. And not, we're not trying to poke each other in the eye, but what are you doing now or what do you envision doing as a course correction to make the next generation coming up behind you the best firefighters and paramedics and, and practitioners of our trade that they can be? Yeah, I, I, that's a that's a great question, Trevor. And I think, um, well, first off, I, I one of our first comments was um, that we had from Kevin Belcher, who, who works part-time in Ocean City, and as a as a sergeant in in a, in a uh, large metropolitan metropolis, whatever that word is, uh, department on eastern shore or on the eastern seaboard, um, he asked if I could if I could bring in my buddy uh, Mitch Irwin. Uh, so, there, and this this will have to be a story from another time. Uh, we'll have to do a whole night on just pranks and 
stuff from the firehouse, but it's your uh, alter ego. Yeah. Irwin. Yeah. So anyway, Mitch Irwin is a, uh, is a, a Australian firefighter paramedic that did an exchange program in ocean city. And, uh, he sounds a little bit like this. So, um, one of the things I, I think we do is, is that, um, we have, hey, to, we have to take those. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but before Ben gets started on this and we're not going to get too far into it, I had to explain this to a state Senator as why we had an Australian firefighter exchange program. But go ahead, Ben, please. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, great job Matt, at the time. Keep it um, so yeah, we uh, we have to uh, we have to. Sorry, well, I, I can't do the whole thing in, in that accent. Um, we we as those people, um, you know, taking over the next generation. Like we have to recognize that, and um, you know, like like Trevor had said earlier. Uh, Nick and Will not not promoting yet, and I, you know, I was in a different situation in Salisbury where I was able to to move up and, and move up rather quickly. Um, but when you guys when you guys take the test and and get made and all that kind of stuff, like you you, you realize that it's it's part of the job, you know, and and we're all here because we love the job, that it's a part of us, and we're students of the fire service. And and that we're invested from the from the time we walk through the door to even on our days off. You know, there there's not a day where like you're never off. Like, you, you know, you get a, a text message. Hey, well, what happened on this call? We had something come up, whatever. Um, I mean, you're you're always engaged in it somehow, whether it's reading on fire engineering or, you know, looking at something or whatever it is. But you have to be a student of the fire service and you have to be invested in that. And, and like Bobby said, Bobby McGee said, you have to show the, these new people coming in that, that you know what you're doing and that you're, that you're willing to, to crawl down the hallway, to force the door, to pull the line, to train with them and do all that stuff. So that way they know that, they're, that you're invested in them. If you can show that, like these, these kids will, will follow you. And I, and I say kids, I'm, I'm a part of that. But they will follow you wherever you want to go with it. Um, and, and they'll they'll do just about anything that you ask them to do once they know that you're committed to to the fire service, to the department and to them and to their to their development, too. And I, I think that's the big thing is is showing that you. Yeah, it's not it's not about me. It's not about Ben Waples. It's not about anybody else. Um, you know, when when the shit hits the fan, yeah, I'm going to be there for you. But when the shit hits the fan, it's, it's about whoever we're going to. It's not about anything else. Like I, I don't really care, you know, who else I have on the fire engine. Cause again, there might be people that, that I'm with that I don't really care for or, or whatever that I know. I don't, I don't, we don't have the same thought process. We don't have the same um, mindset, but I know when it comes down to it, that we're going to get the job done and we're going to work well together because I know that this is what they're thinking. And, this is what I'm, they know what I'm thinking and, and we're going to get it done. And that's what it's all about. Um, so as, as once you can convey that to them um, and, and then they see that and they understand that, then, then it makes everything a lot easier. You know, it, it's that leading from the front um, mentality with all of that. Awesome, Ben. Thanks. And Nick, I'll pass it over to you next. What, 
what what are your thoughts from the heart and course corrections that you want to make um, as somebody who's you've got some experience in the fire service, you've done well, you've got a great future ahead of you. Don't screw it up. But uh, what what are some things that uh, you would say as someone in that quote unquote millennial age group? And I, I can't stand the labels, but you know, going with that, um, what what what's your what's your thoughts? What's your heart tell you? Well, Chief, as you said before, I'm a man of many words, so I'll try to keep it short. Um, Chief Halton was saying that, first of all, thank you for everything you said. That was awesome, Chief. Um, but labeling people in boxes, I, I don't do that personally. I, I take, I mean, everyone stereotypes every now and again, but I take people at face value. This is what you have to offer, and I take advantage of that personally. Um, going back to the RODs, that's not a guy you have 25 years and you're saying do this or do that and, and you're bad-mouthing the new guy, whatever, the new boy. You're not showing me, I don't know, lead by example is all I'm saying to, to the, I don't want to, the people before me, I'll say that. Um, and share what you have. That okay. has been a. I'm not saying that. You said um, you have to live. But, uh, you have to live your life so that other people can feel comfortable being around you. You know what I mean? And especially what you're saying is, be by example. This means don't don't set standards that you can't live up to, and, and you're right. going to fall yeah. short. But be honest about it. You know, I screw up from time to time. We all do. You know. I, I've got a nasty temper and you don't want to get in front of me. I'm mad. You know what I mean? Owning, owning your mistakes goes a long way. Yeah. And every now and then I lose my temper and, you know, I got to go back and tell people, Hey, sorry, I killed your dog. I never killed anybody's dog, but you know what I mean? You, 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 and so you're right, Nick. It's, it's about mentoring is about, isn't about teaching people the ropes or, you know, the, any of that. It's just, if you're a person that they look up to and, and, and feel comfortable speaking with, that that's all that is. And you can be mentored by somebody 20 years younger than you. I am every day. Oh, sure. yeah. yeah. 30 years And, and to, to the new guys like me, I'm, I want to say I, I learn more observing and listening. Like Chief uh, Stephen was talking about how they have your, your retirees and your recruits coming together and either talk or listen, just li I take, I listen more than I speak. And obviously I'm not the best, speaker, you but uh, <laughs> um, just that observation. You can learn so much by, by sitting back and seeing a bigger picture. And that'll, that'll go so far in your career, especially if you take the initiative. So you, you observe, Hey, this is happening. This is, this is what I have to do. That'll help you see, what you have to do now, step two, step three, step four, and that's the way that I think. A lot of people my age don't think that, oh, th this is what I have to do now. What about the next five steps? That That's a huge thing, being proactive and, and taking that initiative to uh, at least learn, learn one thing every day. I, that, that's something that I strive on. So I'll leave it at that. Thank you for the time and uh, opportunity. It's been nothing but awesome. I appreciate all of you. Nick, Nick, you done good. And then uh, Willie Hold, I'm going to pass it to you. And then uh, I'll pass to Bobby McGee, and we'll go around the horn and wrap this up. But uh, Will, same same question for you. 
what's your what's your course correction? You've been around a while. I've gotten to know you throughout the fire service. I have a great deal of respect for you. Um, you know, you've gotten into the instructional side of things. So you know, you've you've really taken everything to heart and tried to be um, everything you can be in, in this industry, and it's it's appreciated. So what what are your what are your thoughts and uh, pearls of wisdom you want to put out there for people in, in your same age group? And then going forward, what are you going to do for the folks coming up behind you? Yeah, Trevor, thanks, man. That, that really means a lot. And and to have, I think it is it's a testament to have people like you. And 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 I, I spoke earlier about uh, about finding those mentors, right? The secret sauce isn't anything more than establishing a good mentor for a young person. I believe is finding that that mentor that can mold you the way that you want to go. Right. Luckily for me, it was it was the fools. I, I got involved with the fools. They said, hey, this is uh, this is what we're here for. We're here for the brotherhood and sisterhood of the fire service. And if we learn something along the way, that's even better. So I got involved with them. And and I, I you know, I feel like as, as a learning point to people my age and younger, find a mentor, whether it's somewhere um, in within your department a senior man that, that, uh, that you can fall upon or on top of that, you know, again, it might not be the easy route. It might not be the most accepted route, but if you have to go outside of your department to find somebody that you can, you can bring in as your mentor to, to, to set that. And I, I say it again, that firing standard, we, we constantly have to evaluate our standard, right. And where we want to be. And hopefully we want that standard to be high. So, Biggest thing I can th- say is to, to, to find a mentor that's going to mold you to where you think your career wants to go, right? Because we get one shot. We get one shot at this job, and luckily it's the best job in the world, and we can have a big impact, or we cannot have any impact at all. You know? and, and I hope that, you know, as, as, as I say, you know, finding those avenues. There's, there's young people to this day. You know, I've got buddies that um, are starting the uh, April Fool's Fire Conference. Bringing in good dudes all over the place. Uh, Isaac Fraser from WFE bringing in you know, into the job. This this is a blue collar job that I think we're seeing a trend. Guys coming back into it with that passion and that these are our people. This is our city, and and to see that um, throughout the ages and young people taking that taking that initiative and saying, all right, we're going to do that constant. Evaluation of setting a standard and meeting that standard. And the cool part about where I work, and I'm, I'm fortunate, I had a chief tell me a long time ago, wherever you're at is the best place to be. So as a millennial, it's the best place to be. It's better than every generation, right? Because we have great people before us that can teach us an ample amount of information and people below us that, that want to soak it in and we can just pass it along. So the best place to be. So being able to be in that position of which is a cool position because everything comes in full circle, right? We see the the shift of everybody owning that, like these are our people. And I think we all see it um, when it comes to search culture and, and being passionate about our people. It's, 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 it's a cool topic to talk about, but I'm just, I'm just luckily that I have mentors like you guys and, and the fools and, and, and my crew and, and I'm blessed there. So if anything that I said in my ramblings, which I say a lot, I'm like, Nick, Nick knows when to shut up, uh, is that latch on to somebody and take in everything you can. You know, one of the best comments I ever got was from a senior engineer 
on my department that's is 29 years on the job getting ready to retire. I uh, shipped out or I was on, on vacation and he told me that, Hey, I, uh, I worked too much when you were gone. And that was a badge to me. Like I'm going to own this. This is the best place, right? I'm a millennial. This is the best place. So when him, him telling me that he's working too hard when I'm gone means that I'm doing my job right. And that's, that's the mentality that we need to have is our, is our generation. Because guess what? It's our generation. We're going to prove all that other stuff wrong. So thanks, man. That, that, that's some strong work, Will Hold. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, that's, that's some very good words. And just real quick, Nick, how old are you? How old are you? What? 30, I'm 28. 28. 28. Oh, this, we'll, this, this T-shirt is older than you. But anyway, that, that's not important right now. Yeah, I saw anyway, that. Yeah, it, it was so funny because my, my son was wearing that T-shirt earlier today, and I that was a T-shirt that I started with uh, many, many moons ago. It's a little bit big on him. He's only 12. And I'm like, oh, my God, that, that shirt's older than some of the people on the panel tonight. But, hey, it's, it's going a great place. But uh, I want to wrap up with some final thoughts. And uh, with that, Bobby, I want to uh, – Bobby McGee, I want to pass off to you for some final thoughts and uh, anything you want to share with the group as far as your, your outlook and perspective on this generation that's going to take our fire service forward. Yeah, Trevor, I think, I think we're in great hands. Um, I think that um, – you know, the, the guys that get it, get it. And the guys that don't, don't. Um, that, that 10% of those guys that really put that extra effort in have always existed in the fire service. Um, you've always had those. I don't care how small a fire department it is you go to. There's that one guy that's just thirsting for knowledge and thirsting for skills and things like that. Uh, I haven't seen any change in those numbers. Um, I, 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 you know, so I feel very good about that. Um, you know, it's great to um, – talk with you guys and uh you know it's it's i'm irish so running a happy hour over a little bit's normal for me <laughs> um but no I, I think we're in great hands i think um i, I think that um you know uh, i think one thing that we can do as a fire service is we, we we give out a lot of confusion about whether or not to engage in this enemy anymore and uh i think the message that that we need to give consistently is we do need to engage this enemy uh, and, and, and help these people uh, get these people out of their houses when they're on fire and put their houses out when they're on fire and keep ourselves safe. Um, and I think the young guys want to buy into that too, but sometimes we, we have a lot of noise about us about what we should or shouldn't do. Um, and I think those guys, once they get a clear message in their own minds about where they want to go, they'll, they'll, they'll write the ship and, and sail right straight ahead and bail us that bell or hold asses out someday. So um, it's been a good night. Thank you. Bobby, thank you. Um, and we'll, we'll go around the horn a little bit. And Keith uh, Halton, I want to give you the final word. And, uh, but, Nick, what, what's, what's your final word on things? What's, what's the last pearls of wisdom you're going to grace us with this evening? Uh, Chief, uh, put me on the spot again. I didn't write an intro. I didn't have anything prepared in terms of my introduction. So Speak from the heart, brother. Gonna, I'm going to wing it. Um, no, just I, I appreciate everything everyone said. Uh, Mr. McGee, thank you for being that guy that takes the time to, to share with us what you have. And, and that's my biggest thing is if the generation before shares what you have, the guy that's in my shoes better take advantage of that. That's, that's all I have. Thank you. Awesome, Ben. Um, sorry, I just called you. I called you, Ben. Nick, uh, great job. And when the lieutenant's test comes around, your ass better be sitting in that exam seat. So that's all I have to say.
Anyway, man, you're up next. Yeah, thank you, guys. Um, wow, what a night. Holy cow. Um, I got to be honest, I never thought – so this is our sixth one. I never, I never thought back to our first one that we'd be sitting here with um, such a great group of guys to, to talk, one, just about fi- the fire service in general, uh, and two, to, to talk about what we're doing with the, the past that we had uh, and the, the legacy of the fire service that we've been giving and, and what my generation and, and Nick and Will and what, what we're doing with our, our generation and, and where we're going with the fire service um, to, to sit here and, and to have that conversation is just like, I, I've been off all day um, just thinking about having this conversation tonight. So it, it is truly an honor to be here and to be a part of this. So, so thank you, Trevor, Bobby, Bobby squared. Um, thank both of you guys. Will Nick, thanks for joining us. This is, this is just a, an awesome My pleasure. Um, you know, Trevor, you, one of the things that you mentioned were, was, was the, the lunch that you did with the retirees um, for the, the Academy class that you guys taught. Um, and one of the, one of my favorite things is, is that we would do, um, and we did it for, you know, a couple a couple months for a, for a while is that we would have the retired guys from Ocean City. We get together for lunch. We try to do it once a month, um, but to sit there and to listen to these guys cut up and carry on and go back and forth about the pranks that we that they played and the calls that they went on and the the good old days. Yeah, yeah, just all of all of it, and to sit and just even. Even though I was the one texting them and calling them, hey man, are you gonna make this? Are you gonna make lunch next Thursday? Like just to sit there and to be a part of that conversation. Um, and they they all, I'd, I'd say they knew me. A few of them that were I'd been able to work with, um, but just to sit there and to listen to their to their stories and to hear all that knowledge and and to, to hear the fun that they had was fantastic and it was such an awesome opportunity. Um, and to be able to pass that on. To, to the to the next generation to the next group coming in is it, it's also it's it's like a it's a it's a requirement of what we have to do um you know we are we are fortunate i think will you mentioned it you know you're you're that middle group so you have to take that information from the previous group take that in um you know learn learn what you can and then it's it's your requirement to pass that on um you know to have these people leave the organization and leave departments and leave the fire service and not share that information. And the same thing to take what we have and not pass it on. That's a shame. And it, it really, it, it's, it's not fair for, it's not fair for us and it's not fair for the next people. Um, and to take those people under your wing all, all this week between or the two weeks between our, our podcast or webcast, whatever you want to call them. Um, I've been looking for this, uh, cartoon that Paul Coombs did and it's the building of the wall and it's the senior firefighter on the one side who's placing a brick and he's got the younger firefighter and it, the senior firefighter has the wing that goes around the younger firefighter and as they're they're transitioning and they're passing everything over and damn it if I couldn't find it but that is that's exactly what we have to do like you have to you have to mentor you have to build the trust you have to train your replacement you have to do all of that um, in order to keep going with what we're doing, we're, we've got we've been dealt a great fire service, and we have we owe it to the next generations to keep that going. So yeah. that I'm good. That's all I got. Thanks, Chief.
Thanks, Ben. And uh, Willie Holt, Pearls of Wisdom, final thoughts. Break it on. Chief, it's, uh, it would be an understatement to say that I'm – You're calling me Chief. <laughs> it's, it's new, yeah. To say that it's an honor and privilege to talk to you gentlemen tonight, really. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, I do the old uh, pillow lay-down test. That, uh, at the end of the day, I lay my head down on, on my pillow and ask myself, am I doing the right thing, right? Um, and, you know, when, when it comes to doing the right thing, that can be a multitude of things. Am I doing the right thing for my family, the family life, the, the firehouse balance that we're all constantly juggling, right? Or just the fire service in general. And, you know, when, when you do that constant evaluation of are we passing along what we need to, are we, are we making sure that that next level is at that fireman standard, right? We set that fireman standard when they come in. And luckily, I think, you know, as, as, as time goes on, you know, people are going to find mentors in their life, whether it's a, a, a crew, um, a, a, a a chief that you meet in Ocean City, Maryland, that is gonna that is gonna give you a call one day and ask you to come talk to some fire service leaders. You know, those are opportunities that I never thought that I would have been afforded in my in my fire career. But luckily, you know, things fell in place. And you know, again, I, I look at this note is that 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 secret sauce. What that secret sauce is, and that was just for me surrounding myself by good mentors. Um, was there ups and downs as far as in my career that, that it affected me differently? Of course, but surrounding myself with a good mentor and, you know, at some point just shutting up and listening and then, and then being afforded, afforded and, and given the opportunity to teach and, and to have these conversations has put me where I need to be. And hopefully we can just keep passing that along. You know, at the end of the day, History and generations repeat themselves, right? Smooth bore nozzles, fog nozzles, just going to keep repeating ourselves. So, and the next, the next generation, we're going to have this conversation with the next generation. Now, those damn COVID-19 generation, they don't understand. They stayed every day inside their house, right? I mean, all joking aside, you know, that's, that's something that we're looking at, right? The new norm is going to be different. We have guys coming online right now that are obviously – impacted by the things that are going on. So that's something that we're going to have to adjust towards. I never thought that I was going to have a conversation with a new guy and say, Hey, we are normally a lot busier than this. Don't let, don't get this twisted. You're going to go on a lot more calls, you know, people falling down and things like that. But just that constant evaluation of the times that are going on and, uh, and dealing with dealing with them appropriately. Again, thank you very much. It's a blessing to be here, and it's a blessing to talk to all you fire service leaders. Trevor, you're muted. Try that again. There you go. So that looked like one of those old uh, old Japanese movies where my mouth was moving, but then the sound. Okay, but before <laughs> I pass it on to Bobby Halton for the final uh, final thoughts on this, Will, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, it, and we have an obligation too. no matter where we are in the fire service. And this is part of that 360 degree leadership is whether you've been in for six days, six months, six years or 60 years. You know, if you've been in six days longer than somebody, you have an obligation of leadership to the person coming up behind you. What have you learned so far? What can you pass along? So don't pigeonhole yourself in the titles and rank and everything else. The folks that I work with um, in my department, 
they work way outside of their, and Nick can attest to this, they work way outside of their job classification every single day. But, you know, their title doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that they perform at a, a high level every single day and get the job done. And I rely on them. Um, you know, I can't be there 24 hours. They are. And they get that job done. So with that being said, I think this newer generation also, they want to know the why behind things. And that's not unreasonable. Where when no. I came up, if you asked a question, God forbid, well, why are you asking this? Just do what you're told. Be seen and not heard. Well, in order to get behind the mission, support the mission, and be able to pass that information along to others, people need to know the why behind it. And there's some great speakers out there. You know, Simon Sinek's one of them um, who, who talks you know, specifically about the why. Um, you know, there's other folks that I've read some things recently, and you know, Chief Alton shared some stuff with us for other people who are looking into you know, this particular um, area. But you know, let people know why. If, if one of your people asks you, you know, why they're doing something, they're not questioning your authority. If, if you get that butt hurt that you, had, that you feel that you can't um, you know, be asked why somebody's doing something, or if one of the younger people comes up to you and questions you, you know, there's a respectful way and manner to do it. They don't have, they don't have to you know, chap their lips on your ass to do it by no means. But if they want to know, hey, hey chief, what, what, what's the why behind this? Take the time to explain it to them. They deserve that because then they get behind the mission. They carry the flag. And not only do they carry the flag, they do it well and they do it with vigor. They do it with enthusiasm and they understand what the mission is about. So they can't do the what until they understand the why. So um, before I get on my soapbox, because and I appreciate you guys uh, going a little over tonight, because I guarantee we'd be here past midnight um, about firehouse time. If I say, hey. I'll call you back in 20 minutes. It's usually two hours later. So she understands the multiplier now, but will, will, I'm sorry. Did you have something? Sure. I just want to, I just, yeah. Um, knowing the why you were talking about that is if, if we don't pass on the why, like I, I, the why generation, right? We could call it uh, millennials. We could call it the next generation, the why generation, because people are going to ask questions. And I just wanted to build on, and I'll do it really quick. I just wanted to build on is that why we have to answer the why is if we don't do that, those traditions are going to be lost. If we lose those traditions, the fire service is gone, right? So again, whether they learn this way or that way, if we can fill in the why, why we bring ice cream to a ride along or what have you, insert your great tradition, right? If we lose the why and we don't pass that along, we're going to lose it all, right? So that, I just no the the why, right? Yeah. Big country, Willie Holt. I, I tell you what, uh, very very profound words. You're absolutely right. So uh, before we wrap this up, and I again I appreciate everybody uh, spending the extra time. You, we usually hold this to about an hour, and we can go on for probably six more hours. Chief Holt, I know you've given up a lot of your time this evening, but uh, I want to give you the final word on this before we wrap up. So. Uh, Bobby, uh, please go with it. So this helmet's close to 100 years old. Kind of important to me. My, my great uncle died wearing this helmet. And he would be proud to work with any of you guys. He'd be proud to be on the line today. And I think that uh, we can never lose sight of that. And I also think that one of the important things, when we set standards, be careful about holding people to the standards that you set for yourself because we're all so different and our skills are different. And remember that people are going through things in life. Um, people are, get sick, their families get sick, their kids have problems. They might be having problems in their marriage. They might be dealing with an addiction, a mental health issue. 
doesn't mean they're still not a great firefighter. So cut people slack, be kinder, try to be kinder. You know, sometimes we think that um, everybody sees the world we do the way we do and, and nothing could be further from the truth because we all grew up in different times with different influences. So when you, when you pick your mentors, don't be surprised when you find out they've got a pimple or, you know, or a bad tick every now and then and, and pick a bunch of them and, um, and just try to be a little more uh, gentler with the folks that you feel are coming up short because to somebody, we're all coming up short. You know what I mean? There's always a firefighter better than, than you are. And, and I'm reminded of that 15, 20 times an hour um, when I read some of the stuff that you folks put together and put out there. So I would just say, you know, be careful about labels, be careful about standards. Uh, you know, back when I was a kid, they used to say, don't judge somebody till you've walked a mile in his shoes. So, you know, Oftentimes when you see one of our folks having a struggle and they just seem like they're, they're tired at work all the time, and then you find out that their, their kid is really sick or their mom is sick or their wife is dealing with an addiction problem. And then you feel like a jackass for, you know what I mean? You know, and, and I've done that and you're going to do it. Um, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't, as, as Will said, you know, shoot for the moon. And, and, and I think in our hearts, we all do every day. But life is a struggle, and, and sometimes that struggle gets pretty sporty. And, uh, you know, I think we just need to always keep that in the back of our head. And if we can always remember that we should never, ever do anything that would embarrass those that went before us who lost their lives wearing one of these. And if we go that way, we can never go wrong. And thank you for having me. I love you guys. This was a tremendous privilege. I'll hold, I'll hold my water cup high. Uh, that's all they'll give us here in the home they, the, the, the people in the home because otherwise we soil our garments and we get upset so. but it was nice seeing you kids and it is fun to be on a show with guys younger than my children which is <laughs> wow, you, guys are, you guys are considerably younger than my children so, uh, well, so uh, you got that going for you yeah, we, we appreciate right, everybody so. being on and and spend any extra time with us tonight. Um, you know, like I say, we usually hold this to about an hour and we can go on forever and ever, but you know, thank all of you so much. Um, I'll defer to Bobby McGee. One of the things, uh, Bobby always has those pearls of wisdom he throws out. And, uh, like chief Alton said, you know, it's, it's about our brothers. It's about our sisters and it's about the people we serve because, uh, one of the things I know Bobby McGee teaches a lot is, you know, it's not so much focusing on us internally, which we do quite a bit, which we should, but also about that four-year-old kid at the end of the hallway in the, in the uh, flannel Spider-Man pajamas. You know, are we are we there for that? Are we there for that name at the top of the turnout, the back of the turnout coat, or the bottom of the turnout coat? So um, we have a great group of people. Um, you know, I, if you asked me probably ten years ago if I had faith and uh, belief in the next generation of the fire service, I would have said no. You're all worthless and weak. And now I don't feel that way. Um, you know, I. And believe me, I'm, I'm a stubborn person and, uh, you know, it, it takes a little bit to turn, you know, turn the bow of a ship for me. But, uh, you know, I look at people like the, the Nick Cota Cabbages and the Will Holtz and the Ben Waples and, you know, the countless people, the Rob Framptons that we had on the other week. And also some of the senior folks that have brought us up. And uh, you said it very well. We, we owe it to the generations before us to uh, you know, up, uphold them, what they've given to us. 
and pass this on. So instead of creating the divisions in the fire service, we need to find the common ground and pass along the great information because, um, you know, I'm, I'm not too much uh, far, further behind than uh, Chief Halton. Uh, I, I think my, my medication and my mint jello should be coming around uh, on the cart here shortly. And uh, so with that, with that being said, um, Ben, ben Wagle, since you're the uh, master of ceremonies, I'll, I'll pitch it to you for the, uh, the closure. But again, thank you all so much for uh, uh, each one of the panelists for spending your night with us and putting extra time, even though we lied to you and told you it's going to be an hour. And thank you for all those who've uh, tuned in tonight. We hope you get a little bit out of it, and we'll talk more about these subjects later on. But love you guys. Nothing but respect. Ben, take it away. Thank you, Chief. Thank you, everybody, one, one more time. Um, again, a wonderful show. Uh, like like Trevor said, we usually go about an hour. We're at an hour, almost 40 now. Um, so just to wrap this up, if you guys look across the bottom, we got that little ticker. So there's our website, uh, stbtraining.com, Facebook. Uh, I'm going to say it, and I know Chief Holton's not going to like it. There's the Twitter uh, at uh, handle, so we all know his feelings on that. And then our email address. So if you guys have any questions uh, you want to reach out to us, please do. Uh, the other thing that's not listed on there is our Instagram, uh, which is is relatively new. Uh, it's the same as the Twitter is at Strike the Box Hot. Uh, so please reach out to us. Let us know um, if you got an idea for us to talk about. And if you want to join us, we'd love to have you. Uh, thanks again. Look for us two weeks from tonight uh, for Thirsty Thursday number seven. So thank you again, everybody. Have a wonderful evening. And we truly appreciate everything that you guys have done for us. Salute. Good night, fellas. God bless. God bless. Thank you.